Today's episode is brought to you by Canva. Uh, We're all looking for ways to make an impact at work, but not all of us are skilled in visual design. A Canva helps you get your point across uh, simply and beautifully. It's easy to design Canva presentations, docs, whiteboards, and videos. You start with a designer-made template and customize it with your content. Uh, plus, add graphics, charts, and more from Canva's massive media library. Whatever department you work in, Canva is perfect for any task. Sales decks, hiring docs, marketing brainstorms, employee videos, you name it. Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hears from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Even when there isn't a pandemic on, we all know we're supposed to wash our hands, especially before we eat or after we've touched something gross. But that wasn't always the case. As recently as the 1800s, a doctor was mocked for even suggesting that physicians wash their hands before working with patients. And that, dear listener, is how we begin the strange and sad story of Ignaz Semmelweis, a 19th century doctor sometimes called the father of infection control. Semmelweis was born in Hungary in 1818, and after graduating from medical school, he started a job at Vienna General Hospital in Austria in 1846. There, he became aghast at the mortality rate of new mothers in one of the hospital's wards. In this ward, up to 18% of new mothers were dying from what was then called childbed fever or pure puerperal fever. Uh, we know today that this is a fever caused by infection of the reproductive or urinary tract in new mothers. 
Yet in another of the hospital's wards where midwives, instead of doctors, delivered all of the babies, only about 2% of mothers died of this then-mysterious fever. Zemmelweis began reasoning his way to the root of the problem. He considered climate and crowding, but eventually ruled those factors out. In the end, the midwives themselves seemed to be the only real difference between the two wards. Then Zemmelweis had an epiphany. One of the hospital's doctors, a pathologist, accidentally nicked himself with a scalpel that he'd used during an autopsy of one of these unfortunate mothers. The doctor was sickened with childbed fever and he died. Zemmelweis made the connection that doctors were performing autopsies on patients who had died of childbed fever and then immediately afterward going to deliver babies without stopping to wash their hands. He suspected that this was the source of the deadly problem. We spoke via email with Dana Tolodzieski, a philosophy professor at Purdue University whose name I hope I am pronouncing correctly. She explained, Basically, his hypothesis here was that it was cadaveric matter from the scalpel that entered the pathologist's blood and caused the infection, and that same material could be transferred to the women on the hands of the doctors, because the doctors would do autopsies and then go straight to examine the women who had given birth without washing their hands, changing their clothes, or basically taking any hygienic measures at all. He then tested this hypothesis by requiring people who had performed autopsies to wash their hands with chloride of lime, a disinfectant, before attending the women, and after this, the mortality rate in the first clinic fell to that of the second. You'd think that Semmelweis's fellow doctors would have lauded him for this discovery, but you'd be wrong. You see, in the 1840s, germ theory hadn't been conceived yet. That's the theory that diseases are caused by organisms not visible to the naked eye. People still suspected that diseases transferred from one person to another via toxic odors, not bacteria or viruses. This was called miasma theory. In washing their hands, they probably wanted to be rid of whatever was causing a bad odor, not to kill germs that might wreak havoc on them or someone else. We also spoke via email with Michael Millinson, an adjunct professor of medicine at Northwestern University. He said, Physicians of Zimmelweis's time simply did not understand or believe that something microscopic could be wreaking such havoc on their patients. They literally believed their own eyes. Lest we feel too smug, consider how many people currently embrace a lack of COVID-19 deaths among people like me, geographically, racially, economically, or otherwise, as evidence that scientists are overestimating the pandemic's risk. Better hand-washing regimens dramatically improved death rates at the maternity ward. But Semmelweis's colleagues were, at best, miffed at the implication that their ignorance was killing their own patients, and perhaps the implication that midwives were better at delivering babies than they were. It didn't help that Zimmelweis essentially laid the deaths of the ward's mothers at the feet of his superiors. His own supervisor countered that the hospital's new ventilation system must be the reason for the decline in maternity deaths. Also, Zimmelweis was a Hungarian in Austria, a foreigner working in a country in the throes of xenophobia. So those doctors rejected his theories and Zimmelweis himself as being inferior they opted to stick with their miasma theory and, for good measure, in 1849, did not renew Semmelweis's appointment. Semmelweis eventually got a medical position in Budapest, where he, according to the British Medical Journal, quote, publicly harangued doctors and nurses about handwashing and reduced maternal mortality. He eventually published a book on the subject some 14 years later, but it was poorly written and poorly received. 
possibly experiencing a mental disorder or extreme stress from his rejection by the medical establishment, Zemmelweis ended up a patient in an asylum in 1865. Weeks later, he was dead of an infection from a wound that he received in the facility. He was just 47 years old. Zemmelweis left behind a monumental legacy, but the tragedy of his story has made it garner a few myths. One of those being that Zemmelweis was the first to suggest a theory about doctors transmitting germs. Tlodzieski said, he wasn't really a pioneer. Other people before Zemmelweis had hit upon the idea that childbed fever could be transmitted from doctor or midwife to patient. For example, Alexander Gordon of Aberdeen showed in 1795 that childbed fever was almost always transmitted by doctors or midwives, and also that it was connected to a kind of streptococcal skin rash. He also thought that the best treatment was copious bleeding. In the States, famously, there was Oliver Wendell Holmes, who was a physician but is now much better known as a poet, who wrote a very elegant essay called The Contagiousness of Puerperal Fever in 1843, a year before Zemmelweis even completed his MD. Another misunderstanding is that doctors of his time outright rejected Zemmelweis's ideas about handwashing. They didn't entirely. They just attributed coming down with childbed fever to a range of variables, such as predisposition, environment, and many other factors. Tuladzieski said, because people already had such a long list, adding cadaveric or decomposing animal matter really wasn't a big deal to them. And lots of people, some of them pretty big shots, did add this to their list and started disinfecting their hands. So it's just not true that that part was universally rejected. Later, in the 1860s, Louis Pasteur started working on what would eventually become the theoretical explanation behind Zimmelweis's observations. And in the 1880s, thanks to the pioneering work of Joseph Lister and others, people started using antiseptic techniques in surgical and maternity wards, which is when mortality rates from childbed fever really began to fall, along with many other in-hospital mortality rates. But even after scientists realized that Zimmelweis had been right all along about handwashing, this simple act still remains a challenge throughout society. That's partially because even though we now know that germs are there, we human beings still sometimes trust what we see and discount what we can't. A January 2020 poll found 40% of Americans don't always wash their hands after going to the bathroom. Even doctors and nurses may rationalize that their own behavior has nothing to do with spreading disease. Millinson said, Patients get infections for many reasons. They come into contact with many people and many objects and have compromised immune systems. And by definition, those who forget to wash or don't do it properly don't know that they forgot or were ineffective. Millinson points out that there is still no requirement that hospitals reach a certain threshold on hand hygiene, only that they have a program in place to improve it. He said, Almost as bad, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control doesn't monitor a national hand hygiene rate in hospitals, which often hovers in the 10 to 40% range. On average, U.S. healthcare providers clean their hands less than half the times that they should, according to the most recent CDC study, which was 18 years ago. It's too soon to have numbers on how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected hand hygiene in hospitals, though anecdotal evidence suggests it's put healthcare providers on high alert. During this time, Zemmelweis is even seeing a resurgence in pop culture. He was honored with a Google Doodle in March of 2020, and an opera about him, which premiered in 2018, was live-streamed in May of 2020. Finally, there's this bright spot. Millinson quipped, 
I like to tell provider audiences, the good news is that we've made significant progress since Semmelweis's time. We no longer put people who insist on doctors washing their hands into an insane asylum. Today's episode was written by Nathan Chandler and produced by Tyler Klang. For more on this and lots of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.